So if you don't know Noah Kinsey, I recommend you change that right now. No, wait, actually do that after you listen to this podcast. But after you listen, you can find his show, The Coffee Time Podcast, wherever you stream your podcasts. And you can also find his Patreon in the link to the description of this episode. His podcast focuses on humanizing people by doing something that seems to be a lost art, the art of conversation. Noah is a multifaceted, thoughtful, and extremely intelligent person whose career has a lot of hyphens. He's not just a podcaster. He's also a creator, a show writer, producer, writer, and actor. I was first introduced to Noah by way of another podcast I was invited to be on. I actually had accepted an invitation to be on this podcast, and I didn't really know much about it, so I decided to check it out just to see what I was getting into. And this is where I heard Noah, and when I first listened to him, there was this... uh, I really got the impression that he had a great depth of knowledge on a variety of subjects. And then I actually got to record with him, and I think we both come from a place that tries to promote honesty over flashy, inflammatory rhetoric or collectivism that's so inherent in our society today. So I was really looking forward to this one. When we first discussed the idea of having him on this podcast, I originally wanted to focus on nostalgia in general and and how it relates to this country in particular. But hell, the world seemingly had other plans for us as Ron DeSantis went to war with the Mouse House, Elon Musk caused a, a firestorm by purchasing Twitter and then using it as his own perch to rain down his personal opinions on. Uh, Justice Alito's Supreme Court draft abolishing Rovers Wade was leaked. I'm sure there's so many, many other things in between that. But we just winged it. And while we discussed in depth some of the things I just mentioned, I think what we truly got was just an overall discussion about where we're at socially and politically, uh, the past and the future of democracy in America, the world and beyond. And why we might be in the timeline where Biff stole the sports almanac. Now that I dated myself, I hope you enjoy the Noah Kinsey with Jay Burke and the Roe vs. Wade, Disney vs. DeSantis, and every political thing in the world, I think, show. Hello and welcome to the With Jay Burke Show. My name is Jason Burke, and although I'm technically the host of this podcast, it's the guests who truly take top billing. Today I have the special privilege of speaking with Noah Kinsey. Noah is a multifaceted creator, showrunner, producer, writer, and actor, and podcast host of the, do you say hashtag Coffee Time Podcast? Now, okay. I say the coffee time. Yeah. All right. Of the Coffee Time Podcast with Noah Kinsey. So I'm really excited because I'm a big fan of your podcast, and I really enjoy the way you interact with people and the topics on your show. So I'm really, really grateful that you came on today. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So I'm a, I'm a fan of your show. Yeah. And I, 
uh, we were just talking not too long ago about the solo show that you did kind of doing the deep dive. And I just, I want more of that for me, man. I love that. It was probably my favorite episode of yours so far. Yeah, it's probably my favorite. You know, I have this dark, I don't want to say dark secret, like this inner um, investigative journalist type of vibe I always had. So it, it's kind of like, kind of played out in that one. I was deep sure. in the woods on that one. I mean, my wife was like looking at me because I'm, I was reading like committee transcripts and stuff like that. And <laughs> she was like, all right, just record the thing already. But yeah, that would, you know what? That was so interesting because I totally just was looking for a reason why we expanded NATO in the first place. I'm like, well, what was the reason? And I just happened on that Times article with that guy, Bruce Jackson. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like all of this, <laughs> all this really leads down to is a bunch of uh, weapons manufacturers wanted to make some more money. So That's usually how it goes, sadly, not uh, to be super cynical. But no, it, it does. And you know what? It's hard these days. I'm trying not to be cynical. Obviously, the news has been very difficult. Leak. Yeah. 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 And, and like I said, me and you have been talking a little bit and we, we had other ideas to talk about. But obviously, you know, we're probably we're going to have to touch on on the uh, Roe v. Wade possibly falling. And I did listen to your uh, mini episode yesterday. So, but I was shocked when you said, I think you said 44 states have child brides in them. I 44 to, states, child bride, child marriages are legal. That is crazy to me. That is wild. Yeah. And, and they constantly, every time there is an attempt for reform, on that, it's always shot down by Republicans. Yeah. So for your listeners, if they haven't heard my show, let me just put a disclaimer out there yeah. because of where we're going to be going with this conversation. I am a registered independent. I have been an independent since I first registered to vote. I have voted Democrat, Republican, not so much yeah. lately, uh, but in the past, I would vote on the stances of the politicians and wouldn't really pay attention to if they had a capital D or capital R. So anything that I say moving forward is not because I'm super liberal or whatever people want to say. I know there's the the funny thing is I'm blocked by more liberals on Twitter than I am conservatives because I think we're conservatives see me as the liberal. But when I criticize Democrats, they're like, oh, okay, so he actually isn't just one of the sheep or whatever they call you. But then when I say something against that I'm upset about when it comes to Democrats, liberals think I'm a traitor, possibly. But it's like, look, if something I see doesn't sit right with me, I'm going to say something. So with all that said, yes, it has been the Republicans that have shot it down every time. And the example they use to shoot it down, why they're against outlawing child marriages, and it's the dumbest thing, but they're like, well, but what if two teenagers want to be emancipated and from their parents, and then they want to get married? Who am I to stop them from that? Ignoring the actual facts that the almost every single case of child brides in the United States is an underage girl marrying a man very much older than her. So the example they use is just stupid, but that's the reason they give in order to not seem like creepy old men for why they're voting against this bill being passed to outlaw child marriages. So now we still have 44 states that have it legal. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? I was I meant to put out a little disclaimer too, because most of my life I actually grew up in a very conservative household. I'm in New Jersey and we're mostly a blue state, but I'd say we we have a lot of middle ground in, in New Jersey. You're blue collar blue state. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in a very conservative household. I voted mostly Republican for most of my life. And it's really over the last, it was a little before Trump because I could see some things that I didn't like going on. And I also just became an independent because in my head, I realized that, listen, there's going to be times where you can register and you could be a Democrat and you could say, I just tow that party line. But the problem is they're not always going to be right either. Right. I mean, and there's a time and place for certain types of politics or policies. So I, I started pretty much looking at each issue on its merit and substance. And that's how I kind of roll with the dice. And, you know, I, I'm glad I kind of grew up that way. And now I can kind of sometimes understand where, where that group is coming from. I don't really understand the politicians that are in that group. So it's funny because you're saying that it's the dumbest reason, right, for the for these 44 states to be able to have child brides. But, you know, Alito's argument is kind of dumb. He's saying that. Oh, you found- mean when he cited someone who uh, wanted to persecute women for being witches? Yes. Yeah. Back to like <laughs> 1644. I forgot the guy's name. He cites that, but he also says that, you know, the founders don't mention abortion in the Constitution. In my head, I'm like, well, they don't mention a lot of things in the Constitution. Correct. I mean, there's, you can go anywhere with that. So I just thought it was- a stupid straw man argument. Yeah. I mean, listen, this is the reason why I kind of out of favor with that side is it's been like, it's like a slow moving coup to me. It's just- Little by little, they were taking away a lot of these rights, and they were doing it at the state level more. This is the first time you've seen an unenumerated right or a right really taken away by the judicial system, by the Supreme Court. So it's a scary precedent, and like you said, I mean, these are not really logical interpretations of Constitution or just really a logical reason to do that. Yeah. And I, I've heard a lot of conservatives bringing up the fact that Roe v. Wade was passed basically in bad faith. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but that's yeah. basically the whole sentiment is that it wasn't gr- a great ruling. It wasn't done in the way that conservatives think it should have been done in the court. And to me, To me, that's just a 50-year-old version of Hillary lost, get over it type of sentiment where it's like, look, like, I get it. And I'm not, I I think regardless of the validity of that statement, it just, it feels hollow when you're, when that's your argument, but you're not proposing something to replace it that still maintains rights for women. I mean, you're even looking at a Louisiana bill that is piggybacking off of this that wants to make women using IUDs illegal. Right. So women could be jailed for birth control, but yet uh, condoms and male masturbation isn't (laughs) going to be banned when that could be just, if we're, if we're going IUD down that rabbit hole, you can't exclude anything that kills the potential of, 
creating life. Right. Because it's the same freaking thing. If plan B IEDs, if things like that are illegal, unless you want to definitely reveal your gender bias, it's got to be all or nothing. Like it just, it, right. it, but this has been a slow burn. I mean, you mentioned a lot of states have been passing things where they basically are just riding that line as closely as they can to what they can do in today's current law because they knew what was coming down mm. the pike. That's why that's why the 2016 election was so was so crucial. I'm saying for both sides, it was so crucial mm. because they knew that this is going to be the person that's going to be putting multiple people in the Supreme Court seats. Yeah, you think about that election and what it meant. There's no other president. There's presidents who have went probably the whole eight years. I would have to look it up and not have a Supreme Court justice that they had to put in. He had three. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like – but it even goes back to when you think about the justices that are in now. I mean, George W. Bush was elected. He didn't win the popular vote. He had a Supreme Court justice. Obama's Supreme Court justice got blocked with a year left in his term. Yeah, it's funny how Mitch McConnell changed his tune when it came to let the the people vote first. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden they had like three weeks left and he was definitely going to lose. They changed that tune. And who was it? That was... um, uh, Lindsey Graham. I saw a video with him when they were talking about Merrick Garland, and he's like, "You can hold me accountable if this happens when a Republican's in." Yeah, he, he wasn't held yeah, accountable. Lindsey, Lindsey has no integrity. No, he like doesn't. a lot of people in Washington, he just doesn't. He no. doesn't care. It doesn't matter. He he operates as if someone can't record the video that he's on. I know, and a lot of them do. They don't care. They're not being held accountable. So why do they care? Like honestly, the thing that drives I, me then. You can even go to the stupid politician. I can't even think of his name right now, but he, after one of our many school shootings, he said, well, the reason why there's no school shootings in Japan is because they don't have video games. And it's like, homie, that's where they're made. <laughs> like, but even just preposterous, they can say the dumbest, stupidest stuff because they know ultimately they're not going to be held accountable. Right. There is something wrong in the system where somebody like Mitch McConnell, I want to say he has in the Senate a 17% approval rating, but it doesn't matter because he's going to get voted in in his state because he might have a 60% approval rating there. Yeah. And uh, Mitch McConnell's a guy who no, I would say nobody's done more by doing less. And that's how I look at Mitch McConnell. I've never seen somebody who just says nobody has done more with the word no than Mitch McConnell. As. Yeah, I mean, he he cares about power for power's sake. That's right. literally what he's about. And when he's done little presentations about the, th- he had one where he said the three most important things about campaigns and about running, and he wrote right. on the board money three times. Yeah, that's that. that is his status quo. It really he is not there to better. Our country. He is there to make sure his party has as much power as humanly possible. And I mean, that it just it is what it is. And with how our system is now and how it keeps how Republicans keep changing, moving the goalposts and Democrats just want to run on this moral high ground that gets them nowhere. That's killing it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely I don't want them doing dirty tactics either. That's not what I want for this country. But 
just kind of sitting around and just being like, well, but you know, we're, we're Rocky one of this situation. We're morally, we're victorious. It's like, yeah, but people's lives, I know your life isn't impacted when the shutdown happened. You guys still, you didn't miss a paycheck, but you have to understand you not doing anything and resting on your high ground. People's lives are being ruined. Right. Well, the Democrats are really funny because they're always on this defensive and you're right. There's like this moral high ground that they get. I feel like they get pushed into it a little bit, but they never run on any of their any of their victories. I mean, they do have some victories. I mean, I think what we created four hundred and eighty thousand jobs this month. Do you, do you hear that anywhere? They they don't tout it. No, Biden tweeted it, but that doesn't count. Who but, follows Biden on Twitter? Yeah, well, that's it. But but if it's Trump, Trump's going to sit there and say, I, yeah. "Nobody could have done this ever in my life," and and. That'll get all over the news. But yeah. that's my thing with the the Democrats. They just – I think there was somebody oh – God, I can't remember his name. I think he wrote the the book Stealing Kansas or something. He was a, he was a, um, he was a college Republican who turned away after the Bush era. But uh, he, he was on um, Taibbi's podcast and I was listening to him and he goes, you know, if the Democrats just like passed one law that would help people, they'd probably win all the time. He's like, if they could just get something through, he goes, it's like they don't want to win. <laughs> That's how don't. it feels. Something. It really does. I mean, where's the bill back better bill? Where is it? I know. I, what what has what has been done with it? Not, well, nothing. That's that's another flaw in the system. That one man that you've never heard of before the last two years. All of a sudden, Mansion has all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, my problem with Mansion, I wouldn't care. And listen, this is where I do like some republicanism is the idea like being a steward over the money and saying something like, well, we can't just hand out the money. Let's take a look at it. I don't, I don't really have a problem with that. What I have a problem with Manchin is I don't feel like it's – I feel like he's disingenuous because he keeps moving the goalpost. Yeah. Every time they would give him something, he would be like, well – and he had these – another one with ridiculous reason. He got rid of the child tax credit because he said some people will use it on drugs. And it's like, yeah, all right. I'm sure some have. I'm <laughs> sure. But there's overwhelming statistics that show that child poverty decreased by like, you know, whatever it was, half because of it. And that's that's my thing with him is I just think he's really disingenuous. I think he's probably bought out. And oh yeah, he's bought out by the coal companies the, yeah. in his state and one of the most impoverished states. He's you know, he talks about really looking out for for his constituents yeah. in the interview that he started when he got off his yacht on the way to his Maserati. Oh, I remember that. You know, yeah. that it just it boggles the mind because he does you move the goalposts all the time. And even recently of Kristen Cinema saying that, you know, she really cares about about women's rights and all this stuff. But then when it comes to changing the filibuster, she's, she's just not going to move on it. And I'm sorry, but words just are meaningless when it comes to politicians. We need to see actions. And if you're not willing to do anything, you wagging your finger, just how does that help anybody? Yeah. Well, the, the filibuster is really one of the dumbest things that Congress has and it and for a bunch of people who want to take the constitution at its word, where is the filibuster in there? Where does it say that that can happen? In well, no, fact, that was slavery based. Yeah. Well, 
yeah, that came about because of that whole thing. Yeah, I know. That was uh, well. That's that's the electoral college for you too. I mean, a lot that's of that as well as well, and it's getting even scarier when you're looking at statistics and you're looking at the majority. The what, what was it? it? Was like seventy uh, percent of Americans in the near future are going to be living, I think, in seven or nine states. Yeah, but yet they're only going to have a fourth of the representatives in Washington because well, of how all that, both electoral college, but also you know how the districting and all that yeah. stuff. And well, you think yeah, about it, your your state really doesn't have equal representation at the Senate level because what you have forty four million people or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and then you go to Montana and it's like six people for every seven square miles or something like that. But they have the same number of senators that you do, and they can yeah, and it's. So funny, the last couple of years when Trump was pissed at California and you had all these people online saying, if California wants to be on its own, like, let's just have it its own country and forget about them. But all of these people are yelling at it from states where the taxes from California pay to keep them alive. That was one of the things. So it's crazy. That was one of the things I did like that Cuomo said. Obviously, he got tainted by a lot yeah, of things. He's, he's garbage, but I did like some of the stuff. Well, I, I just liked when Trump went after him that he said, no, no, it was uh, it was when uh, McConnell son. went after him. And he, oh, said, oh, right, right. he said, well, my taxes are paying your state. Yeah. Why don't you give me back my tax money if you don't want to give us money? He was, give it back. And when I looked it up, I was like, holy shit. I mean, New York, California, New Jersey, we're all paying. I mean, Kentucky is poverty. Yeah. Yeah, so people really don't understand. You get into a deep dive, and it just drives you crazy. And sometimes you gotta look the other way. But it's 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 wild the way it works, and a lot of the hypocrisy that goes on. You know, when you're talking about rights, the right to have child brides, and then you're taking away a right from a woman. That's usually how it works with child brides, anyway. It's usually probably a female who's underage. But what I'm saying is that they pick and choose the rights. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea was always supposed to be, you know, they there was that big Tea Party movement for a while, and they were supposed In to 2010. be like, yeah, that was supposed to be like a libertarian movement. And I, listen, I used to be kind of in on that. I've flirted with so much stuff <laughs> that was always about maximize it. Well, so I get, I actually think romantically that's probably the best system, right? Uh, it sounds the best. My problem with something like a libertarian movement is corporations and people, it's just too big now. So that works at yeah. a small level very well because you think about a town to town, right? If you had back in the day, you had one town doctor or two town doctors and you had the meat guy, uh, and you, the doctor would go see the guy who makes, uh, who, you know, cuts the meat and, and whatever, the butcher. It took a long time to get there. Um, goes to the butcher, right? The butcher has incentive to give his doctor good meat because he doesn't want to get bad medicine. So on a small level, I get that. But when you have multinational, these conglomerates that run everything, it just it's not going to work out. It just gives them all the power. And I think that's the problem with that view. And that's where I'm saying policy needs to change. You can't really be locked into a policy because it, it, if it doesn't make sense – you have to progress. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, I think you know, when new ideas come, up, come about, I think it's attractive 
to check them out because they're trying to shake the tree that hasn't yes. seemed to be moving for a long time. Yeah. I had issues with Tea Party, both kind of with what you're saying, but just there's also, I wouldn't say all of them because, uh, you know, I had Joe Walsh on my podcast and he still considered himself Tea Party, but he's not racist. But there was always those undercurrents yeah. of birtherism and uh, all that stuff in the Tea Party movement that just probably uh, kind of screwed things up. And I actually credit the 2010 midterms with a lot of Tea Party people coming into place and kicking out John Boehner to why Republicans mm-hmm. and Democrats can't even be seen together. Oh, anymore. yeah. I see it because that way now. There's a lot of uh, enemies there. But yeah, like, look, like there's I went to a college that literally peace studies was a major. It's something you could graduate with a major in. I yeah. don't know what the hell kind of career you could do with that other than just volunteering, which doesn't exactly pay the bills, but there was, it's on the opposite end of the spectrum. There are, you know, super liberal ideologies that sound nice. I would love to live in a peaceful utopia where we're all holding hands and skipping and rainbows and horns are all around. But like in reality, it just, it doesn't, work it just it it, and i feel you know yeah george w bush saying you know he believed with his gut like he listened to his Mm -hmm. gut and i think that unfortunately has snowballed into this anti-intellectualism going on where people want to believe what they want to believe it doesn't matter if it's fact-based or not and you have 24-hour new cable news channels that thrive off of that like literally their job their their station is confirmation bias you're mad about something great we'll tell you you're right and we'll also tell you what else you should be mad about right and that's how these 24-hour news channels survive that's how Mm -hmm. online publications get people to click their articles it's just it we're, we're not dealing with common sense anymore we're not looking at things saying well but does that really work Right. We're just looking at how we want things to be. Yeah, I, I think that there's also we talk about you know tribalism is a big word now, um, but I think people like being part of a team. Yep, and they might associate themselves with one thing on that team, but they decide to just go full force with it. You know, when they do a lot of these blind type of studies, you find out that Americans actually agree on a lot more things than you think. But they will do these studies where then they'll say this is a Republican idea or a Democrat idea. And all of a sudden, it might be like 70% now goes down to 50. It goes down up to Mm -hmm. 54 or whatever. And, you know, that's a real issue as far as what's blocking a lot – it's really hard because they're keeping people those 24 I always hated the 24 hour news cycle um it's not it, it's never been news it's always been opinion based first of 100%. all but it's like you said it, it keeps those people angry it's it's really not a healthy thing to watch that all the time and, and <laughs> I grew up my parents watched all those channels and I just used to have to Sometimes I'd walk in there and I'd be like, I, I don't know how you do this all day, like just all day long. Even now, my dad will, my dad lives with us, so I'll walk downstairs and I'll have like Fox News on or something, and I'm just walking by to get something, and then I'm, then I'm cursing because I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? What you're talking yeah. about? 
But, uh, you know, it, it's funny. So you mentioned uh, Bonner before, John John Bonner. And in his book at the end, I know he says something to the effect of he left because there's nothing to do with people who just want to burn it all down. Yep. Right. Well, he was against the government shutdown. Yeah. He said, look, guys, you know, I understand you want to make a statement and I understand you want to disrupt the system. But all this is going to do is make us Republicans look bad. Yeah. But he was overruled. And so he had to go along with it. That's why he looked constipated when he did the public announcement, because he didn't want to do it. Right. But he kind of was forced into it. And sure enough. The only people, I mean, other than us citizens, but the party that got the most heat for it were Republicans. It made them look really bad. And he knew that that was going to be the case, but it didn't matter. He had just, yeah, people who just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, uh, that was really interesting, but it's also, it's also a disingenuous thing, right? Because you sit there and you make you obstruct everything or you you underfund it or you defund it and then you sit there and go look government's the problem see we told you it's the problem but you're never giving it a chance you know so it's it's very disingenuous to me but it also drives me nuts because i they throw around that socialism word word and i'm like yeah we do have socialism you're right um the top corporations get socialism. They get bailed out all the time. You yeah. Know, Elon Musk has gotten a ton of subsidies yeah. for Tesla and his other companies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even with um, the PPP loans and things like that, then Tom Brady's company got like a million dollars. I remember the Lakers. Boat. Yes. And the Lakers, they gave the money back, but it wasn't until it was an uproar. I remember they got like $4 million from it. it Johnny Rockets took out a small business PPP loan, a few, but a few others. But the reason that Johnny Rockets and the others got busted is because they're privately or publicly traded companies. So they have to release the financials and have to have those visible. Who knows how many private entities did that and were never busted for it because the way the system was set up was so clunky and just not, not done right. So where do you see this going in the next few years? Everything with the government, with Roe v. Wade, with we were going to talk a little about Disney, but that seems so far <laughs> in the background now. Oh, we can because but that's I think also it's still performative. Yeah. yeah, it's it's also performative. You're looking at that that I think I was worried about Roe v. Wade oh, when it came to like Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett because I knew that that was something that they wanted because that's specifically why they were chosen. Yeah. Uh, and seeing how Kavanaugh lied about the definition of boofing uh, in his hearing, I didn't really take his word on anything. Yeah. Else. They committed perjury. They did. And Clarence Thomas's wife was trying to help with the insurrection. Oh, yeah. and it kind of sucks that John Roberts wants an FBI investigation into who leaked this document, but not an investigation on Jenny Thomas or yeah, yeah. Um, her contribution to the insurrection. Yeah. Sucks. But, but I kind of knew that the Roe v. Wade thing was going to happen. I think, okay, two parts. So I'm kind of going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit. So Republicans, I do not believe 
that the vast majority of Republicans thought this was going to happen. I actually agree I with that. I do think, because a lot of times, and you saw it when they had the majority, uh, when the first two years of Trump's presidency, and the conservative side, like the super conservative, super, uh, like all these groups kept fighting where it was even hard for them to pass anything because yeah. there's so much infighting because the GOP thrives at being the shit stirrers. Yeah. They thrive on being the underdogs, or if you want to go with their uh, silent majority aspect of it, being the martyrs right. in Washington. But when they're in charge, you kind of see the emperor has no clothes yeah. type of thing. And with this, it's so easy. Ever since Reagan assembled the evangelical vote, yep. it's been so easy for Republicans to play on re religion and play on conservative Christianity. And so, of course, they're going to focus on pro-life because, hello, Catholicism. Yep. That's a huge thing that's very closely, when it comes to the politics, aligned with evangelicalism. And so they're going to play that pro-life card all day, every day, because 70% of Americans actually support Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they were hoping to always campaign on it because you yeah. can piss people off to vote for them. But now they're at this point where it's kind of like when the dog catches the car, then it's like, well, shit, what now? I, don't, I, I, I didn't really think this through. I didn't think of the next step, yeah. what I'm supposed to do. You know, it, it, so so I think it's it's a problem for them. And I don't really necessarily think while they're publicly problem. That's why I think that's why they're publicly angry about the leak right. is because they for one, I don't know if it really helps them that much to be gleeful that this is happening when it comes to the midterms. I think that's what they're afraid of. And if this was to happen, they probably would have wanted it to happen next year. Yeah, because. I don't know if it's going to move the, anything when it comes to the midterms, because the thing with Democrats is they sure talk a big game, but kind of forget to go and vote. Yeah. Yeah. They, especially um, for the midterms, right? I mean, especially midterms. they got galvanized. Uh, listen, the presidential election, they were galvanized because of Trump, not because of Biden. So, correct. you know, the last time they were really galvanized was for Obama because um, he was popular, but they didn't come out for Hillary. Not in the same droves. No, I I voted just full disclosure. I voted for Hillary, but I needed like five showers. I did too. Um, I did not. I was not. I was more pro Hillary at the before the campaign started than I was by the end because right. I was just disgusted by how she did the whole campaign. The whole thing just rubbed me the wrong way. But I knew we'd get a dumpster fire if I if Trump got in there. So yeah. But, Going back to Florida real quick. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so Florida. Now this actually really concerns me because here's the deal. They passed the law. They passed the law dubbed don't say gay. They passed it. They won. Yes, so they what they did to Disney was purely retaliatory. Yes. Which is messed up and performative and dark. Like I don't like throwing out a, authoritarianism and all that stuff because i think it i think immediately people it's like just a scare word yeah yeah but it's, it's like the boy who cried wolf it's like yeah socialism communism yeah. hitler Nazi, all that stuff it, it, like it's so overly used that it just doesn't mean anything so when stuff like that actually happens then people just roll their eyes and 
blackout. But this really worries me because this is the government retaliating mm-hmm. against a company just cause out of spite out of company that not too long ago, Mitch McConnell helped pass a law saying that they're a person. Yeah. So, and then, but it's performative. It's because Ron DeSantis wants to run for, for president. Right. But what it does is it actually hurts the Floridians. You have now this debt. Yep. $1 billion, a company $1 debt. $1 billion. And that's going to be passed on now to taxpayers. Property taxes for the majority of Florida homeowners is going to go up 2000 next year. Yep. Like all this does is hurt his own people, but because it's performative and because these people are just angry. And like you said, they're tribal, they're going to be applauding this mm-hmm. and then they're going to be super pissed when they get the bill, but they're still not going to blame the person who they'll charged blame, them. They'll blame it. Disney. <laughs> they'll probably Absolutely. blame Disney. And so that one was interesting to me too. So I understand the fact that Disney does not have a right to self-govern, right? So it, it is a law that was passed. It was given to them a special status. And I understand that part. And they're not the only ones that have it, by the way. No, they're Air, not. Airports also right. have it. A lot of things have it where they just don't. Some permitting takes freaking forever. Right. And if you have a busted up uh, like landing spot and an airport, you yeah. kind of want to just quickly fix that so people don't die. Exactly. So, and regardless, I don't, I'm not super thrilled that Disney got it in the first place. I think that's kind of, I mean, it's once again, just politicians taking money from corporations. Right. So corporations can get their way. But once again, it is what it is. Yeah. But, and but the, the action against it's messed up. The issue is in reverse, the government is actually probably, I would say, well, so I, I read an interesting article about that from a lawyer who said that the government seeking revenge is actually taking away Disney's First Amendment right at this point yeah. for something like yeah. this. And they said Disney's smart Disney's people. and their lawyers aren't going to say anything right now, but they're going to be they're going to be all over them about it. But it's it's true. I mean, they straight up said it was revenge. I mean, they just didn't write it on the bill, but it was. Even Ben Shapiro tweeted out he censored himself, but he said f around and find out. Like yeah. he's Mr. like limited government is all of a sudden so funny how they pick and choose yeah. when they want limited government. Yeah. Was well, you know, going back to to Florida with that don't say gay bill. It's also interesting in a lot of these bills and and you can look at the Texas Texas abortion bill and this is this is all my own critique but I think this has all been a setup for that Supreme Court because mm-hmm. a lot of these bills are deputizing citizens, right? I mean, it's a yep. weird it's a very strange thing to see and I think they're doing that with the hope of it going up to the highest law in the land because it's going to get challenged. And I I think that's where they're going with it. The Texas law was so egregious just from the fact that six weeks – I mean, I talk about my wife. She's like, you don't even know. Like the first two weeks don't even count because it's from your last period or whatever. Um, She's like, so six weeks is is ridiculous. You just wouldn't even know, right? And to start saying – I'm going to find an Uber driver $10,000 for driving a pregnant woman. It, it, I don't know. How's he going to know she's pregnant unless she's openly shown? It's just such a ridiculous law. And I think that it was really, these laws are written to to set up some kind of, some kind of showdown. 
And that's yeah. that's what I think is is happening. Well, yeah. Once this once uh, Roe v. Wade is overturned, anything that was going to be challenged, yeah, if it now is okay, is just immediately going to be dropped. Well, and- did you see Abbott was saying he's going to um, he's going to try to challenge funding illegal immigrants' uh, children in school? In other words, they don't have a right to get an education. That's what he's I going mean, for. Yeah, which I'm makes not. no sense to me in no. the fact that then you want a bunch of uneducated people in your town. You, you know what I mean? Like, it, that's just cause for a disaster in itself. But that's what he's running on. Yeah, and speaking of someone who did performative stuff that only hurt their state with yeah. his uh, the importing all the all the uh, trucks, making them all stop and all be inspected not only is now costing billions to texas taxpayers but also cause either 200 or 300 million dollars worth of produce to spoil as they're all waiting to be inspected no illegal immigrants were found in all of this but uh okay so Put a pin in the don't say gay because I have one more thing to say about that that's super disturbing that I feel like where people are missing because there's enough to be mad about. Right. Like a teacher just got fired for her students asking her sexual orientation. She says she's pansexual and she got fired because just any type of discussion, you get fired. But when you look at a lot of these bills and a lot of the things that have been passed over the course of let's i'm just gonna say 20 years uh it's probably been longer mm-hmm. but you see a theme from a select group of republicans that put things in place to keep those in poverty in poverty when you're looking at something like this a abortion isn't going to go away you are still going to have states that allow abortions. So you'll have the rich people being able to fly themselves or their mistresses or interns over to another state to get an abortion. This only hurts the people that can't afford to do that, that are already in bad neighborhoods. How, I mean, think about like Republicans have been wanting to get rid of Planned Parenthood for how long, Mm -hmm. despite the fact that not only does zero tax dollars go towards abortion, but most of them don't even do abortions. A lot of them give vouchers. Some do, but a lot of them give vouchers to doctors who do that. But these Planned Parenthood, it's it's affordable or free health care in some of our most marginalized communities, and they want that gone. They don't want to help pay like they're pro birth. They're not pro life. They don't want any social services for these people. You look at school vouchers that Republicans have been fighting for. All that's going to do is help those with a little bit of money in inner cities and other areas be able to not only pull out their kid, but pull out the funding for those schools. So already these schools that are underfunded are going to be even more underfunded, therefore keeping those areas in deep poverty. So you're seeing this, it's class warfare. So what you're saying about, you know, it just doesn't, you know, make sense because why would you want people to be uneducated? I mean, look at monarchies, look at how that was set up in the middle ages where the, 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 you know, the, the citizens, they know how to read. 
You know, they, they knew none of that stuff. It was the royalty who knew how to read. And that was the way to keep people oppressed because knowledge is power. As cliche as that sounds, it is true. And if you keep people uneducated or undereducated, it's easier to control. Why do you think Matt Gates tweeted out his criticism of overeducated women? You think that that was was a slip off? Like, they want people to be uneducated. They thrive. That's what they want. And I'm sorry, but both sides kind of want that. One of them maybe a little bit more than the other. Yeah. But both sides thrive on half-truths that just get you with a little kernel, and then they – you know, make a huge ball of BS around it that they want you to swallow. And a lot of, a lot of us do. Yeah. Well, that's what I, you know, it's just going back to that episode you were talking about with Ukraine. I tried to look at it from the middle perspective and you found that both parties were very, very guilty of the same thing. The thing is, I, I don't like a lot of what the Democrats do as far as with speech some of it i think is a little overblown i don't think there's this huge mob of leftists who are just saying everybody has to be the same and you know all this stuff or or said i think that the voices that are um that are in that we don't really want out there get out there because of stuff like fox news or um we live in a time where social media and, and things like that give so many people power, especially these ridiculous voices. I always think about social media in the sense that when I was a kid, nobody believed in flat earth. And now there's a whole community of flat earthers oh my God. because they just get together and now they're, they, hey, this is, they're part of a team. And, you know, that that's what social media has done. So I do think as far as the left, I'm, I'm way off my point when I was starting with, but I think that, yes, there is a, there's things I don't like as far as they, they used to come off much more open to free speech. You know, even like the ACLU, who was the guy who used to run the ACLU? He defended the rights of, I want to say the Ku Klux Klan or the Nazis who were marching and he was a a immigrant of of family that was in the the holocaust but he said i i appreciate that they have a they have a right to do this he was like i don't want to defend them but i have to it's 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 their right and i do think they're kind of missing that point like they've come off very very if you're not with us then you're on the other side i i get yeah. where people see that I, like I said, I think it's a little over-exaggerated because I think the voices you don't want to hear get heard because it keeps the yeah. outrage machine going. But I look at it from the two sides and I'm like, well, I'll deal with that more than I'll yeah, deal with Yeah, because it's the not the same. Right. The far right and the far left, the, the extremism that they're spouting is not apples to apples. Right. It just, it just isn't. And I am incredibly incredibly annoyed by the far left yeah. incredibly annoyed and i just am like for the love of god shush. but i'm not as scared of them as i am the far right, right because the far right just and that's why i haven't voted republican for a while because the far right seems to be steering the ship 
yeah. when it comes to who's running. Right. And it's it, 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 it's worrisome that you have like the Lincoln Project, I wish was so much bigger. I would love if that was a new political party. But the sad thing is we just have the two. Yeah. And a vote for the third party at this point is just throwing away a vote. That used to anger me so much until Trump ran <laughs> that I totally got what everybody was talking about. I'm like, don't don't throw away your vote. But at the end of the day, that third party vote has been crucial because it gave us it probably gave us George W. Bush. I mean, I guess it gave us Bill Clinton too. Let's face it, if Ross it Perot did. and yep. Ron, you you probably have the uh, first Bush in there. Although he was a know. different type of Republican. Yeah, I don't know about that because I have thought about that. I think Ross Perot running helped Clinton, but I just even though it's it's funny because even though uh, Reagan's the reason for Iran Contra, that stench clung to George H. W. Bush. I will and, say, yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry. I'll, I'll oh, no, 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 you're ahead. fine. I was just saying that and him saying no new taxes and then immediately yeah. raising taxes. I feel, I, I, I don't think it's as sure of a thing. I will absolutely agree that Ross Perot running clinched it for Clinton, but I am not convinced that he would have lost had Perot not run just because there was a lot of stuff against sure. H.W. So I, I don't I can see I don't the know. independents liking him in a sense that he was just different and refreshing. And that's, you know, he kind of had that Trump thing where he, he did talk about know, these guys are doing this in the background. And, you know, he's kind of trashing the, the government. I, I always looked at Trump as like a middle finger to the to the government. And that's what people yeah. liked about him. And listen, it was funny at first. So I got it. But it, it just as it went on, it got scary. You know what I was going to say is I think George H.W. Bush is kind of a product of Reagan in the sense that he just kind of got screwed, you know, by by whatever yeah. Reagan did. And yeah, he was a lot. He got all the reality of Reagan's presidency and Reagan was allowed to keep the romanticism. Right. But even the Soviet Union really fell on on Bush's watch. I'm I'm not saying Reagan. I mean, listen. I guess Reagan had a lot to do with it, and I'll, I won't take that away from him. But I will. I will because so. This is a fun fact for your listeners. I will absolutely take it away from. I'm sure. I'm sure some of the stuff that he did helped contribute to well, the, the spending, fall of the Soviets, all that stuff. Well, okay. I, I won't. What what I want to take away from him because I'll be very careful about this. I will take away. Uh, so, you know, that they simply ran out of money yes. and the, the Berlin wall was going to come down regardless, but because they ran out of money, they needed to get rid of the wall quickly. So they started tearing it down. Reagan's people caught wind of it before the rest of America did. They quickly rushed Reagan to do that press conference saying, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. Oh, really? And then all of a sudden, that. the yeah, all of a sudden the narrative was his strength as a president yeah. is what incensed them to tear down the wall early when the fact of the matter was they had already started because they legit yeah. ran out of everything. Yeah. So, I, okay, so maybe I won't take away any, like, the majority of his contributions to the fall of the Soviet Union, 
Um, and I think we're realizing now that the cold war never really ended. It just kind of evolved. Yeah. But I will absolutely happily have that conversation because a lot of people don't know that a lot of that was performative. I didn't know that, but it makes sense because he was a performative president. Um, he was an actor. Yeah. He was, Oh, he was great. I mean, he acted convincingly next to a monkey. I think he's going to be okay as president of the United States when it comes to being a public figure. How is he viewed in California? Is he like a, a well-liked figure? Um, no, I don't. I mean, Cal, oh, the people that I talk to, I think Republicans, st- it's, it's trendy to talk about, like, oh my gosh, he's the best Republican since Reagan. Like, that's the thing. It's similar to, we've had this conversation before, it's similar to the romanticism that Democrats have around Obama. Yeah. Claiming like, oh my God, he was just the best. It was like, meh. Mm-hmm. He was centrist. centrist. He wasn't. He wasn't this super progressive. uh, And I, I will stand by. A lot of his early speeches during this first four years would not hold up today when it comes to race relations, surprisingly. But I think the majority of people who aren't staunch Republicans, uh, probably now with what we know, don't have the same view of him because. He, uh, he was not a good president. He, I mean, trickle-down economics started with him. He's the reason that a lot of companies were allowed to leave America, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when it came to gay rights. Even yeah. though they had a best friend, Rock Hudson, his wife is the one that made sure that when Rock reached out, because he's dying in a hospital, saying, yep. hey, can you please put in a good word to to let me transfer to this hospital that actually knows how to take care of me. She thought it would be a bad look for Ronnie. So she had him say no. And like, just the dare program is a massive failure. I'm kind of still surprised that's still a thing, but I I just, I think enough information has gotten, I mean, iron, once again, iron Contra was Reagan, but they were able to just, shovel that over to right. George W. Bush or H.W. Bush and have him take it on himself. So I can't speak for all of Californians. I just think those who aren't deep in the woods of the GOP, so outside of Orange County and Huntington Beach yeah. area, uh, I think they understand that a lot of a lot of uh sizzle, not a lot of state. Yeah. You can look at the any bell curve you want and you'll find that a lot. The difference in wealth, it all starts from about that mid 80s point. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden, stockbrokers and people, white collar people made. Uh, listen, I understand why white collar people love him because they're outrageously rich. And we're still, we still have that. We know it didn't work. Everybody knows it didn't work. We still have supply side economic. We're still doing trickle down. You just have to look at the wealth of all these guys. It and they keep promising done. it. I mean, even uh, Glenn Jacobs, who's the mayor of tennis of Knoxville, Tennessee, you know him as WWE's Kane. Ah. He is now the mayor of Knoxville, and he still just this week tweeted that uh, one way to really help boost companies you know make new jobs is to decrease regulation and it's like dude that has been proven false every single time but it just you know it's it's just this lie that they tell to 
with all these buzzwords that they know that still work. Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of fascination with wealth in this country. I mean, we kind of grow up being, what's the first thing when you're making small talk with somebody? It's like, what do you do? And then you make a judgment on them. I try not to, but it's kind of ingrained in Americans to do that. And I don't know if it's this fascination with wealth that maybe that'll be me one day or, or whatever, but it's interesting because you could just take a, like I said, you could take a look at any statistic and you see what happened in the last 40 years. And that's why I kind of laugh at some of this stuff. You know, if, if you don't really like what's going on, I mean, you've gotten everything you wanted. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's neoliberalism one, you know, and we're living in that world. And it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you look at Europe, Bernie Sanders in Europe, he's like a moderate, he's yeah. a moderate person. You know, he's talking about healthcare. He's talking about paid sick leave and, and things and taxes. It, it's just, it's just funny to me when I hear all these complaints about the way America is today. And at the end of the day, since the eighties, it's been exactly the way the right wanted it as far as tax policy, economic policy, social policy. And I hate sounding, it's like you said in the beginning, we had to put the disclaimer, but it's just truth. I, I mean, I looked it up everywhere. I, I, Like I said, I grew up in a very conservative house. I understand conservative values as far as, I, I understand it from the extent of when they were like a steward of your money. I still understand today saying, like, looking at the PPP loans and being like, well, why did only 30% of this get to the people that needed it? You know, maybe we should take a look at that. It's the same thing. Or with the school systems, you know, I think New York City is, it's like 25000 per kid. And it's always like, well, we got to give them more money. But I understand somebody saying, well, why don't we just take a look at the way... I don't think they should take away money, but we could take a look at why $25,000 a student isn't enough. So I understand that part of it. But at the end of the day, you just look and we're in the world that they wanted. It's just simple as that. We are. And we found out that it's not working for everybody. But then you have the people who've been wanting this for as far back as they can remember. And they don't want to admit that this sucks yeah. because then they have to admit that maybe they weren't right. And yeah. a lot of people do not like to admit that they're wrong. Yeah. I'll, I'll say growing up that way, it was tough in the beginning. You just start getting little doubts, but you try to push them down like saying, well, no, it was because of this. And then it's almost like facing the truth about yourself. Right. I mean, it's because you become identify with it, but I, you know, I didn't want to be one of those people. I just, I honestly, my thing is, and one of the things I always wanted to do with this show is kind of find a third option. I, I think, I think it's fair that if some people don't want something, you know, you make, you make a compromise. We don't have a compromise society anymore. Uh, th- no, we, we don't. Do. And it's, and it's tough when neither side really wants to move on it, but it's also tough when, one side says they want to compromise, but it's a, it's basically trying to find a middle ground to what rights marginalized yeah. people get. And so it, it it's tough to just be like, well, 
we need to start at a place where everyone's equal, but you have one side that just, they, they're not there. They don't want that regardless of the fact that it just doesn't affect their lives. And the only time they change is when it eventually does, but by then it's too late. The damage has been done and it's, but yeah, I'm right there with you. That's one of the, one of the reasons why I wanted to do my show is I'm just, I'm tired of just, if you're this side, you have to say this, if you're this side, you have to say this. And I would rather, you know, if when it's the solo shows without conversations with people, I like to do deeper dives on certain topics to kind of yeah. articulate it a little bit. Like the Confederate flag episode is one of my most listened to one. And that's because both sides have it wrong. They yes. don't know the context. So I want to give the context because regardless of what your opinion is, your opinion should be based on context. I've had very, I've, I've had some, well, that's one of the things that always drove me nuts. Even if I was conservative, the, that argument with the Confederate flag, listen, I get you, you have a right in your own house. I've just never understood the reason why all those statues are there and the Confederate flag is there. It was to impose your will on somebody. Yeah. That's all it was. We know it. Yeah. And it's funny. I think Jefferson Davis, who was the president of the Confederacy actually said he didn't want statues. He didn't want, we need to just heal. And that's where I've gotten into arguments with people. I'm like, well, it's not like, they lost the civil war and then they went up. They waited until, you know, these Jim Crow laws and things Jim like that. Jim Crow and the civil rights era, the right. two times where the majority of the monuments right. went up. Yeah. I mean, are, that's not a coincidence. No. And if someone's mad about one of them coming down, I usually ask, what about that specific statue? What, what does that statue mean to them? Right. And then they can't answer. Cause the fact is they don't, know right about that statue they don't know about that historical figure well, they, they usually quote that they'll be well, it's history and it's like Put it what's the history of it tell yeah. me what that is also when did that go up? putting that yeah. up probably the daughters of the confederacy yeah. who were a very racist group who put them up a lot of them on the grounds of court building yeah and this flag that we associate with the confederacy as the Confederate flag, that wasn't even one of the three flags flown during the war. That was literally put up as an FU to the federal government when desegregation was put into place. That's yep. literally when mm-hmm. it went up with Strom Thurmond and yep. all of those people literally putting it up as an FU. It's a direct it was racist to tell them response. That even though the government's trying to give you the same right as us, you don't have the same right. Yeah, remember who Yeah, remember really who you are. That's, that's the history of that. And I it's never very insidious. Yeah, and I never understood. I said God, I used to work at a place and they were talking about that and saying it was history. I said, yeah, that's why the Germans fly all those Nazi flags, right? And they (laughs) did this face at me and I was like, oh, that's right. They don't. I was like, you know what? Because losers don't usually have monuments and flags made to them. It doesn't make any sense. And I always ask people, I'm like, when's the last time you saw a loser get their own flag and their own monuments all over the place? It doesn't happen. And honestly, to have it on a courthouse or or a government building, to me, is disrespectful to the United States because it's a sign of of them. It's, it's the Civil War. I mean, they were trying to secede. 
So it, it yeah, never it's made a sense traitor to me. flag. Yeah, it's literally a traitor flag. You, the people who fly their Confederate flag next to an American flag, I only assume in their bedroom they have a humidifier and a dehumidifier going at the same time. <laughs> I don't know what else to assume because that's basically what it is. Yeah. So you had but, said, yeah, go yeah. ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You, you go. No, you I was going to say you said direction. you wanted to go back to. Yes. Um, I don't know. Don't, don't say, say gay, gay or Disney. Okay, nope. don't say gay. Because this is uh, a part of it that a lot of people miss that really bothers me. I didn't even cover it. By the way, this is, <laughs> I don't want to say it's an exclusive because obviously it's in the bill, but this is not in the episode that I did on Don't Say Gay. Mm-hmm. So this bill also affects how counselors are able to uh, help children. Yes. In a way that's really freaking disturbing. So basically what it does, and this goes, by the way, this goes beyond any talk of sex. This is literally, uh, so schools give a list of all of the services that are available to kids when it comes to counseling and everything like that, that is just there for the child's well-being. And parents can opt out of any of it. Right. And also when it comes to whether it's any sort of feelings like, we'll just, we'll start with the, the, the sexual orientation one. Let's say a kid goes to their counselor and says, you know, I don't know, like I'm, I know I'm supposed to be a girl, but I don't really like girl things. And, you know, here's the deal. If it's a child, she might just be a tomboy, but because we still have gender norms out there. Right she probably doesn't feel like she's a girl. So in the past, what a counselor would do is just be like, Oh, it's okay. You know, just be you like, don't worry Mm -hmm. about that. Just be you. Well, now if, if a conversation like that comes about, they have to notify the parents and the parents tell the counselor how to respond to the kid. So now if the kid has questions about about anything, so the kid go went somewhere, there's a reason that kid didn't go to their parents. Okay. Like let's, let's not pretend that we don't realize there's a reason that that kid did not go to their parents. Right. And you know what parents out there, it could just be that it's sex is a, not a great conversation to have with your parents. Even if they're open about it, it's like not necessarily something you feel comfortable, even the most open parents it's still kind of just a weird area but so i'm not even saying they know their parent is a homophobe or intolerant but regardless this is a safe place for a kid right and now you're taking that away now if a kid honestly and once again i hate sounding alarmist but let's go down this scenario maybe the girl is just a tomboy if you're now, if a parent says, oh, no, tell her she's a girl, like, of course, she's a girl. She needs to be more like a girl. That girl's going to be miserable. And, you know, when you look at even just statistics of gay kids, the risk of suicide is just yeah. infinitely greater. Maybe that girl isn't even gay. Maybe she just is different because we're now at a place where as adults we know what you like is what you like who cares right what you're supposed to like but as a kid other kids are kind of dicks if we're being perfectly honest and there's still that social norm there's still bullying there's still all that stuff and if there's no safe place for that kid you know they're not really going to stick around for the whole it gets better bullshit campaign they tried to do because at the time 
you're not thinking about the long-term future. You're thinking about where you are the majority of your day. Mm-hmm. But this even goes beyond that. And I wanted to do that example just to get out of the way. But yeah. like, let's say that a kid has witnessed, maybe they're like, oh, my dad drinks a lot and gets you know mad or you know maybe like i get hit or stuff like that or whatever anything maybe maybe let's not do the hit thing because i don't i don't really want to say anything that people could like what about ism to it yeah. let's just say my dad drinks he gets you know he gets really mad or, or angry or whatever that counselor and that school is still obligated to tell the parents Yes. Now they say, well, you know, the one thing is if they think the kid is in danger, then, you know, they don't necessarily have to say anything. But here's the deal. Because of the bill makes it so easy for just a member of the community to sue the school yeah. if they whiff of anything that might violate the don't say gay bill, the parental rights bill, they can sue. So if I'm a school... And I'm not quite sure if this kid, if if there's any abuse going on or if the kid's in danger, I'm not going to risk being stuck in litigation because schools are like we talked, they're already underfunded. Like right. I'm not going to risk all those legal fees are crazy expensive. And all that's doing is going to hurt the school system. If I get stuck in like lawyers cost money, even if you win a case, they still cost yeah. money. So the fact of the matter is that kid is just strictly just not safe in that school anymore. That's what this bill does. It's beyond right. any sexual orientation. It's just specifically the parents. It just, it, that hurts my heart. Yeah. That, that, I mean, all of it hurts my heart, but that specifically because we just aren't talking about it because yeah, frankly, there are worse things in that bill, but that's a big one to me. Yeah. I agree with you. Cause I, I, I did read that and now you're taking away safety for a child. You know what I mean? So just yeah. to go to somebody is a big step for, for, for a kid. And there's obviously most kids don't issue. No, they won't, but they're not going to now if they know what's going to happen. All it has to, all that has to happen is one time with a guidance counselor telling a parent and no kid's going to go to them about any of this nope. stuff. So, so now they have nowhere to turn. And um, yeah, it, it's just, you were talking about it, the, the way the bills were, it's so vague that purposely. it's just, it, yeah, it's purposely vague. And that's where I was and saying. And we've already that, seen, it's yeah. already been yeah. implemented. The The vagueness of it has already cost someone their right. job. Yeah. Well, that's what it is, right? So they were saying that even if a kid says, oh, I have two moms, you cannot have a response. You can't have a discussion. You just. You, have you to even have pretend. to shut that down. Yeah, you just shut it down because now you can be sued for having any Because if input. you don't shut it down, someone might assume that you were encouraging this conversation. Yeah, you're grooming a kid. That's what, a, that's what they're <laughs> thinking. It's, it's, it, it's absurd. But, you know, if we're going to go down, I'll tell you, I'm going to lose half my audience. <laughs> But sorry if I'm sorry. making you lose. No, it's all right. No, it's it's okay. You're going to be coming on my show soon, so yeah, hopefully yeah. you get back. I'll get some people, people back. Lose. No, no. It, it, listen, I just like I said, it's it's about the truth. Like you could just see it if you. It's like you know you have those conspiracy theories that are crazy, but when stuff is done right in front of your face, it's not a conspiracy, and that's what I think right. people are going to think is like who are on that side if they if they've listened this far, they're going to be like uh, they're they're peddling out these like you know crazy ideas. But here's the thing: 
If you would have told me a couple of years ago, now I didn't think Roe would ever get overturned. If you would have told me that, I would have been like, that's crazy. That's a conspiracy. I kind of was with you where I always said, I'm like, what are they going to run on? That They're never going to overturn it. And the fact that that's happening in a lot of these bills is why I say it's kind of like a slow moving coup. And I think it's the last vestige of this I don't want to even say it's that party. I think it's a certain type it's of the people. old guard. It's the old I'll, guard. I'll say it's the old yeah. guard. Yeah. I feel a lot of this stuff is like a Hail Mary to get as much stuff put into stone as possible because right. they know they're on the wrong end of history. Yes. But they want a Kung Fu death grip on whatever that they can for as long as they can. Right. So I think 100 years from now, this is just going to be one of those dark chapters in a history textbook. Yeah. But but I'm more worried about the damage it's going to cause in the meantime yeah, when it me comes too. to all this stuff. It's like, do I think – because mo- even con- younger conservatives, the non-stupid ones who don't listen to Charlie Kirk and mm-hmm. Candace Owens and, all, and Ben Shapiro and all of those people who profit off of fracturing our country. Right. Uh, the majority of people like kind of agree that people should just be people and should be treated as such. So I feel in the long run, 50, 60 years from now, you're going to have the conservatives who are like, of course, gay people deserve the same rights as a straight person. That's a stupid question next. But for the meantime, my God, like so many people that need to be protected out there that we kind of thought were finally acknowledged. Yeah. Well, there is – now we're going to go deep, deep. There is kind of a nationalistic movement in the world today. Yeah. You know, and you saw it – Saw it in France. In France, I was going to say. That was friggin' close. That was close. That was a little too close for comfort. It would have been very interesting. But you see – thank God for Biden, too, because he would have had a lot of trouble with stuff with Russia and who knows. But – you see this movement, and I always wonder, I, I always want to research it a little bit, if when you see this economic disparity, if you see people turning to more of a like a, an authoritarian figure. Yeah. Because you could see that, obviously, World War One kind of led to World War Two because of the Treaty of Versailles, the way it was. But, but there was a lot going on in the world after the, Depre- after the Great Depression, a lot of nationalist movements, including the Nazis, but Japan, Italy, there was a lot of this, our country first type of attitude, but I kind of see that happening in the world. So it's not just a uniquely American thing. We just happen to be restrictive kind of already socially. We're already isolated. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't really have country. I mean, we have Canada and Mexico, but that's not the same thing as being yeah. a country in the middle of Europe yeah. where you have to coexist with all these people that can invade you up from any side. Yeah. So it's pays to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I, I wonder if that's just what's going on in the world. It, it's just a whole thing where it's just built to this point and people are looking, people feel a little bit powerless and maybe they're just looking for somebody. That's how a well, Donald Trump gets into office. You're hundred percent right. I mean, that's, if you look at history. So for one, let's be clear, 2016, Bernie and Trump were the favorites that's on true. either side. And there's a reason for that. They're the, they're two different sides on the same coin. Yes. And it's because 
most people were freaking sick of just the status quo. They were sick of being played against each other. And the only people winning the game were politicians. They wanted something. They wanted some sort of change. And I mean, because going into the 2016 campaigns, it was supposed to be Hillary versus Jeb. It was supposed to be, you had Jeb that already had a hundred million dollars in, in, groups like the like the republicans they already he was going to be their guy and hillary you had all the other democrats drop out because they were specifically told that this was hillary's time right so trump came and disrupted everything the dnc suppressed and once again it was proven i'm not a bernie bro as much as i like him i was just like if he gets elected at that time nothing he wants to pass oh yeah so so like i wasn't a bernie bro but it was proven that literally DNC, who, if we're being honest, they don't have to go with the most popular person. That's a big misconception. Yes. They can go with whoever the hell they want. The RNC didn't even go with Trump until like basically that last weekend where they just took a deep breath and bent over and took yeah. it because they're like, he, this freaking ground swelling is just, we might as well ride this yeah. terrifying wave. But what you're seeing in other countries as well as ours is not really that much different than Germany years leading up into when Hitler came in power. It's this group of the disenfranchised because once again, I mean, I said the cold never ended world war one never really ended because you had different groups still suffering the consequences from it. And So you're looking at these people who are just disenfranchised, who are falling deeper into poverty, and they're looking, they're looking for a way out. And when you have a very powerful, like aggressive leader step forward, it's not enough. What clinches it for you is when that leader tells you, you're right. Yeah. I completely agree with you. You matter to me. You, your voices have not been heard. You are right. It is not your fault. It's their fault and point at a tangible thing. And you have in our country, we have, we are all disenfranchised. Yes, we are. We, we, the, the, the classes have completely divided. I mean, it's nuts. Just the, disparity between classes and you have the democrats who are like well you know you see it's like this because this and because this and this and it's just we have to we're in this together we have to like blah blah, blah. like all this stuff that's like okay but how like trying to make someone understand why we're why we're where we are isn't enough you need a call to action so you have trump saying you guys are right. Yeah. This is bullshit. 9-11, like, that was terrible, but we shouldn't have gone into IRS. Like, he's listing all these different things. He's like, oh, you're losing jobs. So let me yeah. point out, visually point out a group to freaking blame for this. And that's immigrants. Yeah. And, and people are so desperate that they're just like, okay. Sure. I mean, I'll try it. Like everything we've been doing so far, like you're saying that I'm not hearing a Democrat give any call to action. They're telling me that times are changing. You know, you say 
the reason that most jobs are being eliminated or a lot of jobs are being eliminated is because of automation, which is the absolute yes. truth. But here's the deal. I don't know if you if I'm allowed to swear on your show, but yeah, we're in, we, regardless if that's true, which it is, but regardless. So what the fuck are you going to do about yeah. it? Where does that leave me? You have coal miners. There's more Arby's employees than there are coal jobs. Right. But, and of course they're all like, that's a dying energy source. Even when Trump bailed them out, all those owners did was take the money. They still, they still closed the coal mines and they didn't even pay their workers. So none of that money went to the workers, but here's the deal. When you have Hillary and other people say, well, you should just learn another skill. Yeah. Well, that's. Yeah. Thanks, Dick. Yeah, like, exactly. Great. That and, and I'm 50 how, years uh, old. I'm going to go pick up a new skill and get a job that pays me that well. In yeah. the meantime, how am I going to make money? Yeah. Like I'm living off of food stamps right now in an area where food stamps don't really buy me much. My everyone I know is dying of cancer or other things like telling me to freaking enroll in university of phoenix that's not exactly <laughs> yeah saying that you really give a shit and i'm not even saying she's necessarily like of course if your industry is dying out you need to learn something else that's it's not the substance of what they're saying it's how it's being said who's saying yeah it, as well as like what are you going to do to help me yeah. rise up yeah you know and and so, but so you have Trump that's this visual dude that can just absolutely point at a group that the majority of his voters maybe have never seen, you know, like yeah. they're in areas where that's not really necessarily a thing. And we even learned when they, when ICE went all crazy and deported a bunch of people, nobody was picking up those produce jobs. So yeah. a lot of produce spoiled. So those jobs are readily available. Just nobody wants that. Specific well, that's what job. Reagan basically gave them amnesty because he said that he said that fruit spoils on the vine because americans don't pick it right i mean even george w bush was pro-immigrant yeah. like that he was the compassionate conservative that's like, right yeah so you see this all through time and honestly if macron wasn't such a pretentious yeah dick yeah. It, he his spot wouldn't have been on the line. Like, let's be clear, they didn't vote for Macron. They voted against Le Pen. Yeah. Barely. She got like 41% of the vote. Like, that's scary. Yeah. If that isn't a call to action to say, hey, dude, gotta rethink how you govern. I don't know what is. I don't, I don't know what's going to wake progressives up. Because honestly, the majority of what progressives stand for is what the majority of people agree on. Yes. It's just the way they carry the message and the way that they just roll over and take it. Just it's the messaging and this lack of action is killing them. It just, yeah. it is. And, and whenever some, whenever I criticize Pelosi, someone's like, well, she's been, she's so crafty. She knows the game as this and she has to, but, and it's like, I don't know how long of a game of chess she's playing, but so far, <laughs> nothing, yeah. regardless of what she's doing, I'm not seeing the fruits of her labor. Yeah. Yeah. The Democrats, maybe their big problem is their tent is just huge. They're like three or four parties in one. And the Republicans are very steadfast. You know, they they all pretty much lock in step. Now they forced a lot of the moderates out of there. 
is what they did to be lockstep. But the Democrats still have a, a bunch of different wings. And you're right. The leadership is is awful as far as Pelosi and them. And yeah, I, I don't know if you if you if you uh, listen to Andrew Yang or any of those, he was always bashing the way they they ran that. Yeah, but he's kind of a dummy too about some stuff. I I actually have I like him and I there's things yeah I don't agree with him about. I was always kind of worried about the automation issue. There's a lot of things going. It's funny I was working on I got sidetracked when I was doing this other I was going to do something on Putin's rise. And then I for some reason I found something on autonomous weapons and how there's like 44 countries who have an issue with autonomous weapons, meaning that these are weapons that humans don't control them, whether it's, you know, the drones today, they strike because they're basically playing a video game. These are weapons that will make their own choices. Yeah, that's scary. Which is really scary. That's how Skynet happens. Exactly. I mean, haven't we seen <laughs> that? But they were basically saying that 40 countries have outlawed them and the UN wanted to have some kind of ban on it. And it's America, Russia, I want to say England and India all vetoed it because they're, they're too invested in it. But you know, the people who get AI, right. You're going to have your first trillionaires at that point. And then you're going to yeah. see economic instability. Like you, you wouldn't believe. So yeah, that's where his message resonated with me a lot. I mean, I don't, I don't a hundred percent know if UBI would fix something like that. Although I was never, I kind of get the idea of UBI in the sense that I make an investment <laughs> in the government and then I get something out of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's multiple cities that are doing experiments with UBI that I'll be interested to see yeah. what comes of it. I like it just, I, do. I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know. It's a nice idea in theory. I'd like to see where it lands because if anything, I like it for what it can do when it comes to both healthcare and right. child and childcare. Right. Because childcare is, let me tell you, is friggin' expensive. Oh, I know. Well, listen, I got three nuts. myself, so it's like. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And both that and like a lot of people stick, stick with the worst jobs, the worst treatment jobs because they're terrified of losing their healthcare. healthcare. So what what happens to the condition of yeah. the working environment if you don't have to stick around because yeah. you don't want to lose that if you could potentially afford a better life and i mean well i'm i'm curious to see how i don't know i don't i, I honestly do not have an opinion about it yet yeah i want to see how those trials go but i'm my my mind's open yeah i can see I, pros and cons i, I want to see to, how it is an application the problem is people are going to use the inflation right now as this idea that we gave people money and then it caused this this inflation and meanwhile that's a lot of bullshit I, it, listen it's a part of it people were home in a circumstance where they did get money and they were going crazy and they did buy but our infrastructure is shitty so the ports can't really get the items that people need there as quick as possible if we upgraded that that would be better there's so many different issues with inflation and inflation also with everybody keeps saying something about Biden. And I'm like, it's the world though. The world yeah, is not inflated. And the other thing is 
the companies have used this as an excuse to have these record profit margins. I understand yep. that the profits will go up because of inflation, but it's the margins you got to look at. And the margins yep. are just outrageous. The oil company came out. They Who was that? One of the oil companies had their biggest quarter yep. ever, $9 billion or, or whatever mm-hmm. in profit. And it's easy to say, to look at one guy and say, oh, that that he did that. That's his fault. But you know, everybody's got to play play a part in the game. But going back to healthcare, I always thought that was really weird that we tied healthcare to employment. I never really understood that, that why we would put that burden number one on the employer, and number two, it does restrict your freedom in a sense, like you're talking about. I can't move a job because I'm terrified. I might not have healthcare for three months or four months, or it's going to be worse wherever I go. I never understood how it got tied to that. Well, lobbyists. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, lobbyists, that's if you, even if if you look at the insurance industry, it's, it's more, you get more favorable rates if it's like a group rate. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, and I mean, it's not even, I'm not even saying insurance companies do it in an insidious way. It's literally just math, whether it's life insurance, health insurance, whatever. It's literally just math where those insurance companies split up the risk amongst the group. Yeah. So it, so it allows for everybody to have pretty much the same uh, premiums or same costs or whatever is because it's not just based on one person's health. It's based on the math of X amount of people. So it makes sense, but also lobbyists for corporations, yeah. they want a way to keep people working for them. And one of the ways to do that is to kind of hold them hostage with healthcare. Yeah. You know, and it's Democrats or Republicans don't care because they're both in the pocket. Well, they got, the- yeah, it's like big pharma. Meanwhile, big farm, though, the excuse always with big pharma was all that money you're giving them though. They use it for research and then they, they go to the, to the National Institute of Health. It's government-funded. That's where they get the patents from. So the taxpayer pays it both ways in that sense. They're paying for it up front. Healthcare is just an unbelievably uh, asinine, backward system that we have in this country. It's not sustainable how we have it. No, it won't be. There's just no way you can do that to people. I mean, it's, it's, you know. It's, you're paying for like an extra mortgage to get health insurance. It's it's insane. Yeah, something will happen at some point that completely changes the way that healthcare is done. I yeah. don't know in what way, but it just it it will not survive the way that it's going no, now. It there's just, no way. Yeah, not. I don't know which way the pendulum swings on that. I just know it's not going to look like it looks now. Yeah. Twenty years from now, right? Maybe even sooner. Yeah. No, something's going to happen with that. It's just like you said, it's unsustainable. It's funny. I actually work in in the insurance industry. I don't I don't work with health insurance, but and um, it's always interesting when you talk about numbers because it really is. It's all actuaries and stuff like that. It's, I used to do life insurance. And did you really would try and like? They used to try and haggle with me. It's like that's no, not how uh, that works, dude. Yeah, that, they try that. How, this is you're not buying a car. Yeah. Like literally, it's there's it's completely out of my hands. I worked. I worked through. All different for I did some life insurance and then I just got into like um I'm more almost like am a risk manager type for mm, like larger sure. companies. And I like doing that way better because sure they don't haggle as much. And you do have you do have a little wiggle room with that. But it was funny, like when I started, it was <laughs> 
you know, people buying like car insurance or something like that would be like, get it down, you know, this and that. And like, what am I going to do? You, you're paying $900 a year. The health insurance company yeah. doesn't care. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting. It's interesting how they, it's funny. They can't tell when you specifically are going to have the claim, but if they take enough numbers, they know that this group or this group with this credit score, this are more likely to have a claim within this amount of time. It's very strange. Oh, you just take all the numbers. Yeah. Numbers are everything and you could, mm -hmm. you could figure it out. Like, like I said, they can't say specifically like, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. have that claim, but in, you know, my credit score and my, where I live and all kinds of, they could figure out when that's going to, or how much they're going to lose. Usually it's, it's interesting how they, how they get there, but I'm not good at that part. That's not my, that's not my bag. Well, I think we covered just about the whole world. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we did it. I think I, I feel everything's been solved. Yes, I think uh, I think when we're done with this in the next year, you're gonna, they're going to look back on this and say um, say that that was the episode that did it. I actually think this is. <laughs> I was thinking that I said this when Trump won, and I feel like after this episode, it's it's kind of like that. I said I felt like we're in the timeline that that Biff got the sports all moon <laughs> you know, Oh like, yeah. Like that's, uh, yeah. It, maybe it doesn't play out because it's not the same year, but it's like they changed something in the timeline. Something went wrong. Yeah. It's back. pretty close. I mean, we're what, seven years off. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're, I feel like we're, we're in that close. timeline, but listen, I want to thank you for coming on and you know, it was uh it was a good conversation and, you know, hopefully I'll have you back on again. Yeah, I'd love that. And you're going to be on mine here pretty yes, soon. Sir. So we'll we'll get that uh, figured out shortly. So yeah. I had a blast. I, I I was really looking forward to that this week. Yeah. Uh, yeah coming up, too. I'm like, this is going to be a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it is so funny because I, I was trying to narrow it down to a topic and then it just snowballed. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm not even going to take note. I'm just going to wing it and we'll go from there. Yeah, it's kind of hard to pick one when the world is on fire. Yeah, yeah. When every day something new happens, it's like, right. yeah, yeah. When I think about just to, you know, I did, did, didn't even cover Musk. He's like so far out of my range at this point. It's like, you know what, just buy it. Just do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, just, just, we all know it's not going to be good. Yeah. Buying it. Just do it. Yeah. Just, Nothing's good right now. Yeah. Just, what's yeah. one more thing? That's it. So um, if you want to plug yourself, go ahead. Sure. Well, my podcast is called The Coffee Time Podcast with Noah Kinsey. Uh, it's the podcast that humanizes people. So I have a range of people on there talking wrestling upcoming. I have an episode with EC3. Cool. He used to be used to be TNA, WWE, and now he has his own promotion called Control Your Narrative. So I had him on the show. Uh, Joe Walsh, we talked about that, um, conservative political commentator who lost his platform when he started speaking out against Trump, yeah. which is interesting, but just, I mean, it's basically the whole point of the show is to have conversations just like this one, where we're getting past partisan tribal lines and actually having a constructive conversation about with proper context, proper information, mm -hmm. and just having those critical conversations and also leaving it open to, to hear what other people have to say about the topic. So I've had, I've had a lot of really um, 
great comments and feedback of people who just want to keep the conversations going, which I love. So yeah. Well, definitely important. check out my show. I'm a big fan. So anybody who's listening, definitely Thank check you. it out. All right, well, that, man. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who took some time out of their day today to listen. The With Jayberg Show is available wherever you find your favorite podcast or go directly to jaybergshow.podbean.com and subscribe to get the latest episodes. I know it may not always be a straight line, but I hope we'll see you again to take the journey and escape the wild for thoughtful excursions into the world of ideas across politics, technology, pop culture, and all realms of civic life. See you soon.